Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. Luke, chapter 1. Chapters of Christmas. We're starting a little series. The first chapter we're going to look at today is the unexpected guest. That sounds like a cool chapter, doesn't it? All right, we're going to talk about that today, just a little bit, and see where it takes us. But anyway, we're so glad you could be here today. And honestly, I, I uh, was sitting there when Brother Kavanaugh made the announcement, and uh, there was nobody in the dark more than I about this thing tonight. I, I had no clue. I looked at him and went, shame on you. But he just laughed at me and said, I don't care. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, I'm glad uh, that you're here today. We're going to go ahead and uh, look at the book of Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 today. We're going to read through verse 38, beginning in verse 26. The Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. The unexpected guest. You kind of get an idea who that might be, right? The angel Gabriel. He's the unexpected guest in the passage here. Again, we're coming to Christmas. And what a wonderful time Christmas is. As a matter of fact, uh, in our world, Christmas is a time when people as a whole, seem to be a little bit more open to spiritual things. They seem to be a little bit more tender-hearted to Christ and the Word of God. What an opportunity we have as believers to take our witness to the world now. An opportunity to tell them about what Christ has done in our life. That Jesus who was born in a manger, who lived a perfect, sinless life, who died on an old rugged cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. To tell them what he's done in our heart, in our life. May God help us to take full advantage of this season, this time. 
In our passage, however, we want to consider the unexpected guest and we want to consider Mary today and just see what we can learn and what we can glean from the passage this morning. So let's go to the throne of grace, have a word of prayer, and then we'll continue with our service. Father, we come to you thanking you again, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity that we have to gather in this place. There is no doubt, Lord, that if we're going to get what you want for us, it's going to have to come by way of heaven. It will not be distributed or given through a man. It must be fathers, uh, or, or provided by a man, I should say. It will be only through a man. Father, we need to hear from you. Father, we need your Holy Spirit to drive home truth. We need you to enlighten us, to illuminate us, to enable us to understand your word and ultimately take it and apply it to our life and live it for your glory. Now bless us today and may we honor you in what we read and what we hear and what we ultimately understand. And Lord, may you just be with each of us this morning as we consider this unexpected guest and understand that in each of our lives, to some degree or another, we've had an encounter with an unexpected guest as well. Bless us, we pray. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. As we look at our passage in the book of Luke chapter 1, we notice a couple of things. First of all, note the characters. In verse 26 and 27, the Bible says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We have Gabriel. We have God. We have Joseph. We have Mary. God sent Gabriel to Mary, who was espoused to Joseph. So we have the characters. The Bible tells us a little bit about Joseph and Mary. It tells us that Mary was espoused to Joseph. Now, that means that she was given in marriage to this man transactionally. She was legally spoken for. She was betrothed. She was set apart as Joseph's wife at that particular time. Now, what that means then is that they had already entered into a, a covenant relationship with one another. All that was needing to take place at this point was for Joseph to prepare his finances, to ready the home, and ultimately come get his bride and take her to that place, ultimately consummating the marriage, becoming one flesh. That's all that remained. But that they were already in a legal relationship. They were, they were as married as anyone who stands before a preacher today and says, I do. Today, we do things a little bit differently, don't we? I mean, today, people get engaged. We would call it an engagement. But remember, an engagement is not a betrothal. An engagement is viewed from our society and socially as a very serious but breakable relationship. I mean, it's a, it's a courtship, if you will. But if you break up, well, you just move on. Not in those days. It was different. They were as married as a man or a woman that stands before the preacher and says, I do. And so Mary was espoused to Joseph. The characters. We also note the conversation that takes place. This takes place through verses 28 through 33. And in the midst of that conversation, we can't help but notice God's favor. God's favor ex extended to Mary. Mary, we find, is very unique. She is unusual. She is different. Among the thousands of women, among the thousands of young ladies in, in, in Israel, she is chosen. 
by God. A very special lady. And yet, in the midst of all of that, we see grace, do we not? That God would choose her above all others. That God would allow her to be a part of this unique and very special event in history. As good as Mary was, she was not sinless. As wonderful character that she was, she was still possessed some flaws. And yet God in His grace permitted her to bear Christ Himself, the God child. We see not only God's favor, but we notice Mary's fear. We see that in 29 and 30, and Mary is troubled at the same. I mean, she's having a difficult time. She does not understand what's really taking place, what's transpiring here. It's a little, it's all new to her, as you can only imagine. But not only do we see the favor of God, we see Mary's fear, but we notice her fate. Ultimately, in verse 31, the Bible tells us, the angel says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. She would bring forth a son, and call him Jesus. I mean, for our entire life, if we've lived in America, we've, we've, we've related this story, we've rehearsed this story in our ears over and over and over again, how that, that the angel Gabriel went to Mary and said, listen, you're going to have a baby, and that baby's name will be Jesus. You are going to bear the Messiah. You'll be the mother of Messiah. What an amazing privilege and opportunity Jesus' future is noted here as well in verse 32 and 33. He shall be great. Shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom there shall be no end. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now we see it coming to fruition. Now all of a sudden prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus Christ has come. Messiah is now on earth through Mary now. She's going to bear this child. She's going to be the one to bring prophecy into existence to make it literal. We, we notice the characters. We see the conversation that takes place. But notice the confusion in verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Hey, good question, Mary. Good question. It kind of reminds me of Nicodemus. Over there in chapter 3 of the book of John, when Jesus Christ says to him, Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born again. And he says, he says, oh, I know that you're, I know that you're master. I, I know you're rabbi. I, I realize you're a mighty teacher. I know that you're beyond the scope of mankind. But, but, but how, how's that possible? Do I have to enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born again? Don't be stuffed back in. Think about how uncomfortable that would be, ladies. You think the first time was bad? Repackaging that would be difficult. 
In the same situation, here's Mary now. The angel saying, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a child. You're going to call him the name in Jesus. And she says, well, wait, wait, wait. let's slow down a little bit. I, I mean, I may not be very old and I may not be very wise in the things of the world. However, I, I'm old enough to know that this, that how this thing works. And there seems to be a missing piece to the puzzle. You can understand why she's a little bit confused. But notice the conception in verse 35. First of all, we see the response of this angel after being spoken to by Mary here in verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. He says, you needn't worry, Mary, there's going to be a supernatural conception. The God on high is going to conceive within you. Now listen, I don't, I don't care. And, and, and you know, honestly, we shouldn't be watching movies that depict things like this demonically. But the fact is, is that there was nothing grotesque. There was nothing wrong with what transpired and took place. There's nothing gross about it or bad about it. God on high came and literally placed within the womb of Mary seed. There's nothing, there's nothing that is, is uh, inappropriate about how God handled this young lady. I get a little bit fed up with how the world portrays situations like this. It burns me up. Within the womb of that young woman, the seed of God mixed with her. And put forth a child that had flesh, but was as pure, perfect, and holy. Was God himself. The result, verse 35, the second half says, Therefore, as a result of the Holy Ghost coming upon thee, as a result of the power of the highest overshadowing thee, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee. There is nothing, nothing born holy conceived in unholiness. There's nothing unholy about how God conceived Christ in this young woman. For out of this comes forth a holy creation. It's God, that body that he would then fill, if you will. Notice it says, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Man, a supernatural conception led to a sinless Savior. Isn't that wonderful? He's not like you and he's not like me. Now, I understand that he understands our hurts and heartaches, according to Hebrews. I realize he can deal with our infirmities and so forth, and we have a God that understands those feelings. But he, and he became man so that we could identify with him, and he can identify with us in that realm. More so, more so really, us identifying with him. He didn't need to identify with us at all. He understands our hurts, whether we think so or not. But the fact is that we have a sinless Savior. Now, we have a, a God-man who is without sin here. The conception. 
The Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, perfect, holy, righteous, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we notice a couple things in the passage. We have Mary, of course. We have God sending Gabriel to her. We have her a spouse to Joseph. A conversation ensues and takes place. We see God's favor on Mary. We see God, uh, Mary's fear and her faith. And then we notice her future, uh, the Lord's future, Jesus Christ and where he'll end up and that his government will never end and that his power will continue to continue and that he will rule on the throne of David. There's confusion. How's this going to take place? Well, we're going to settle that real quickly, the angel says in his response to her, a supernatural con- conception. The result will be a sinless Savior. The confirmation? How do I know this is all true? I mean, Mary's just a young woman. She's just flesh like you and I. I've got to believe that, as we said earlier, she was fearful. She was confused. She didn't really know what was going on. So the angel does something. Gabriel does something interesting here. Notice he delivers proof to her in verse 36. He says, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth. Well, she knew Elizabeth quite well. Notice he goes on to say, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. Isn't that interesting? She's in the sixth month with her who was called barren. She was called barren for a number of years. She couldn't have children. Now she's uh, older and she's up in age. And yet, in spite of it all, God supernaturally conceived in her. God enabled her to, to conceive. God helped her to conceive. And may I say that any time there's a conception of a child, it is not a mistake. Amen. There are no mistakes. God's hand is in every conception. I don't, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to think about how things can come about, but let me tell you, it doesn't matter how it comes about. The fact is, is that God's in it. No second-class human beings around here. There's no mistakes. And if your parents ever said you were a mistake, it's because they were mistaken. So the angel delivers some proof. He says, listen, Elizabeth was without child, and now God intervened on her behalf, and as a result, she's having a child when she really shouldn't be having one. Matter of fact, she's six months into this process... He goes on to describe the power now. He says at the verse 37, he says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. So you have the proof of Elizabeth here. He says, I just want you to know, Mary, as unbelievable as what I'm telling you sounds, I want you to know that something unbelievable has just taken place, that God has been in it all along. And look at Elizabeth, your cousin. She is having a child and she's six months along with God. <laughs> Anything's possible. Come on now. If she, I can do it, if God can do it in that woman that's beyond the age of childbearing, she, he can do it in your body as well. A supernatural conception in this case, even greater. But then again, nothing shall be impossible for God, right, Mary? Oh, okay. Because what we notice now is this. 
We notice the cooperation in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. <laughs> you know what she's saying? She's not going like this. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, chosen vessel. That's not Mary. Mary's so humble at this point. She's like, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I'm at your disposal. Anything you want, anything you say, Be it unto me according to thy word. The angel departed from her. I've got to believe that's one of the main reasons why he chose Mary. Because of her humble spirit. Even having the wonderful opportunity, the, the great honor of bearing the Christ child, she's still humble. Still humble. <laughs> whatever you want, whatever you say, Mary simply rests in the arms of God now. Despite the many obstacles that she will face, despite the undeserved ridicule that she will endure, she quickly trusts God with her present and her future. Her response mirrors that, I believe, of her son, Jesus. It's her son who would ultimately die on a cross 33 years later, who before taking his place on that cross went to a garden and as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeling down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I know he's God. I understand that. But i got to believe that she set a pretty good example for God. Of surrendering to the will of the Father. I don't think she had to have Mary teach him that. I don't think he would have gone astray without it. But however, I do believe that the influence that his mother had in his life mattered. I do. I believe that. I don't think God, the God of heaven, independently responded and acted. I don't think he fed himself at one year old. Or, well, no, make that half, six months. He jumped up. I, I saw a commercial a while back. I, I was looking through some old videos I had on my uh, thing of Christmas morning. And there happened to be, as I was taking a video of the family, there was a, I noticed that there was this commercial on in the background on the television set at that point, And there was this little baby going around going like this. I mean, he was, I mean, he was doing this Russian thing. And, and he, was, he was going, I mean, doing all this crazy stuff. And his little teeny baby, I mean, like that age. Things that a baby cannot do. I don't think Jesus could do those things as a baby. I think Jesus cried like a baby. I think Jesus ate like a baby. I think he got messy when he ate. I think he needed his mama to change his diaper. Even though mama couldn't stand, said, don't you ever poop again. <laughs> Jesus didn't go, okay. He didn't do that. He, was, he may have been God in flesh, but he was just, he was... Understand, he, he walked the, the, the streets that we walked. He walked the, 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 the hurts that we walked. He understands what it was to be a human. I don't know at what point, at what point, I mean, he started, you know, freaking mom out. I, I don't know. But what I do know is this. Mama set a pretty good example of surrendering and obeying God, the Father. And then we see her son doing it later there 
prior to hanging on a cold cross. She cooperated with God. So let's make a very quick application this morning. We've noted the passage a little bit. We've considered a few aspects of it. But we know that God sent a messenger to Mary, Gabriel. An unexpected guest. She wasn't expecting him, but he showed up, didn't he? You know, God has sent you a messenger with a message about the Savior as well. You say, what? Absolutely, you would not be here otherwise. You wouldn't have been here. He or she may not be an angel. An angel named Gabriel. But they are definitely on a mission from God. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 talks about those who carry this message. The same message basically that Gabriel did. That Jesus Christ is God in flesh. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You had a messenger in your life. An unexpected guest, possibly knocking on your door. That opened up the word of God and revealed to you the truth. That there was a Jesus who died for sinners 2,000 years ago who was buried and rose again, who suffered, bled, and died to pay for your sin. Maybe it was a preacher from a pulpit. Maybe it was a man or a woman in a Sunday school classroom. A messenger. Because that's all angels really are. Messengers. Ministers. If you read through the Word of God and you begin to read about angels, you find that they minister to people, that they are messengers of God. And may I say that's exactly what God calls every man and woman that names the name of Christ, to be a messenger and a, uh, with a message and to be a, a minister unto His people and to others. Like Mary, when that unexpected guest showed up in your life, you may have found it a somewhat unsettling at the time. She did. Maybe you did too. I mean, maybe the idea that mankind is sinners being destined to pay for their sin and being separated from God forever in a place called the lake of fire was something that struck fear in your heart, as it should for any rational mind. In John 3.36, the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You may have been fearful whenever that messenger came in your life, whether it was at the door of a house or whether it was in the, your room with a, a father or a mother or maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, as we said already, or a bus captain or bus worker. That messenger that God had sent, that angel of God from heaven with a message about the Savior. You may have also been a little bit fearful as you considered the unknown future that was before you. But as the Lord told Mary, fear not, thou hast found favor with God. God favored you that day. He graciously sent his angel to you and his express purpose of introducing you to that unexpected guest that day 
was so that you could hear about Jesus and be saved and forgiven. The future may have been shrouded in the unknown and many present obstacles may have seemed to rise in your mind. Maybe you was even concerned about the ridicule that you would receive from family and friends if they heard that you had placed your faith in a Jesus who died 2,000 years ago. No one ever felt that way, maybe. Probably Mary's the only one. No, I think a lot of people worry about that and are concerned about those things. The teenage young man or young woman at school says, man, if I would trust Christ now and I, I w- my life would begin to change, people may not accept me, may not love me like they should, they may, might make fun of me even. I think I'll hold off. I think I'll just wait till I'm a little older. I'll live a little bit of life first. I'll experience a few things in the world. Then I'll settle that. The adult is no different. So often moved by pressures of peers and others instead of by the presence of God himself. The Bible warns us about fearing those things in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It clearly warns us that the benefit of man's favor... And the world's reward is very costly indeed. As it says in the book of Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You could answer that question as you look around you today. I trust and hope and pray that you know Christ, that when God sent that angel, that messenger to you that day, when he revealed to you the fact that there was a Jesus who died on Calvary, was buried and rose again, that Christ Jesus himself was Messiah, was the chosen one, was the anointed one, was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, that you personally said, I trust him, I receive him, I accept him without hesitation. But we've all seen those who have hesitated. And maybe you were even one of those. What do men, what do women give in exchange for their souls? Money, pleasure, prosperity, people, relationships, things of all sorts, a career. I mean, you know what we're talking about. You've seen it. Whether the messenger in your life was a preacher, whether the messenger was a mom or a dad back in the corner of your room after a service, explaining to you what the preacher just talked about and opening their heart and the word of God to you. Whether it was a soul winner that knocked on your door, whether it was a bus captain or a bus worker who gave their time, their effort, their abilities to Christ, whether it was a Sunday school teacher or worker that surrendered themselves to preparation weekly, constantly, continually, 
whether it was an altar worker who ensured that they understood the gospel and was able to present it in a very clear, concise fashion, whether it was just a friend at work who had just gotten saved and all they could tell you was that he changed my life and you've got to trust him if you want to go to heaven. You can't depend or trust yourself. It doesn't matter who the messenger was. It doesn't matter who the angel it was. I want you to know that God sent them into your life. And that was not a coincidence that day. It wasn't a by chance circumstance or situation. It didn't just happen. It may have been an unexpected guest for you. But it was divine providence for God. This morning, you may be thinking, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about him my whole life. But he doesn't want nothing to do with an old wretched soul like me. I want you to understand that the angel Gabriel probably has quite a bit on me. But I want you to know, I'm a messenger God put here for a reason today. I'm the angel that God sent to you this morning. You have a choice to make like Mary did. You can choose to dismiss the message and the messenger, or you can just simply, as Mary said, say, Not my will, but thine, Lord. I understand I need Jesus. I know without him I'm going to perish and split hell wide open. I trust him. I fall into his arms and rest this morning. And that's exactly what you have to do to be saved. Come on up here, brother. This is, how, this is literally what salvation is. This is what it is. And yet this is why we struggle so much with it. I'm going to trust you and you better not drop me or I will drop kick you after I'm done. And I mean that. We'll stop that and I will drop kick him. You catch me, all right? Right? He's not, he's not very, I don't know about him. This guy right here. Okay, now, now what? This is literally the, what, what's that? Whoa, Brother Bob, come on now. My brother Bob. We were buddies before that. Okay, so this is, in, in, in just the picture of things, this is Jesus Christ. I've been presented with a wonderful message. I've been introduced to him. There's no way to be saved other than this. This is the only way. Right here. You ready? I rest. Catch me. Catch me like a little baby. Floating through the air. Well, maybe not. I don't know. He might have already hold me up. I've gained a little weight after Thanksgiving. Here we go. Just try to catch me under my arms. I'll hold him out a little bit. Okay, you got literally... Oh. You see that? He's having a hard time, isn't he? That's all 145 pounds of me. <laughs> Maybe a little more. But you want to know something? Yeah. This right, right there, that's exactly what has to happen when you get saved. You have to fall into his arms. You have to rest in the arms of Jesus. You're not dependent on your own effort, your own strength, your own ability... Your own good, you're only depending on 
him to catch you, hold you, and carry you into the pearly gates. That, my friend, is biblical salvation. And that is what Mary did with God that day. She just fell in his arms and trusted him. The angel said, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, he's coming. I'm telling you, I, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I'm here to tell you about what he's going to be, what he's going to do. She said, I want, I want to find it real quick. She says it right here in chapter... Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. It's all you, whatever you want. I'm just resting now. And you know something? That's what we have to do today. Thanks, brother. Have you rested in Jesus? I mean, have you ever really trusted him with your soul and your salvation? You didn't come to him with something in your hand saying, Okay, God, I'll contribute this and you take care of the rest. No. You have to come empty-handed and literally fall into the arms of Jesus, resting solely, completely on Him. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Isn't that wonderful? But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, 2 Corinthians 1 tells us, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. God help us to rest in the arms of Jesus like Mary did. That unexpected guest, he was unexpected to Mary, but he wasn't unexpected to God. God knew. And may I say, it doesn't matter who God places in your life with this message. It is a divine appointment. Don't dismiss it. If you've heard it over and over again this morning, do not dismiss it. God's trying to get your attention because he loves you and wants you in his family. Won't you be part of him? Won't you trust him today if you haven't already? And if you have trusted him, will you take a moment and thank God for the messenger he sent your way? For the angel that met you that day in your sin and revealed to you Jesus, shared Christ with you. That was a great day. And we can never forget it. And we should be ever grateful to God and to those who God put before us as a result. Father, we